Welcome to the I Also Want Money podcast, where our mission is to democratize, demystify, and demasculinize making money. My name's Nicole Kyle, and I'm here with my co-host, Sophie Holm, and co-producer, Harrison Comfort. and welcome back to I Also Want Money podcast. Today we're doing something slightly different. We're releasing a mini episode. A mini episode is a follow-up episode from the wonderful conversation we had with Tanisha Townsend from Girl Meets Glass about investing in the fine wine market. One of the key takeaways from our conversation with Tanisha is the importance of working with the right people. So we reached out to Alice Longhouse-Jones. She is a UK wine blogger and also the head of marketing at a wine brokerage firm called Oino. And we're so excited to have her join us in this mini episode today. Alice, welcome. Nice, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Alice, just to open up our conversation, give us a little bit of a picture of like, what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, the great thing about what I do is it's it's just so varied. So, you know, we're a wine investment company, but we also sell wine to, to restaurants and bars. Um, and we're also opening up our own kind of um, retail boutique space as well so yeah we have tastings which obviously is great um we get to meet winemakers who come in and i get to interview them you know find out everything about about their passion what makes them tick and then there's the also the side of it of kind of sharing our expertise our knowledge with with investors and potential investors so you know producing a lot of really interesting content videos you know we're often filming things or out taking photos so it's it's really varied um what i get up to Alice, do you invest in wine? Yes, I do. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved in and why you decided to to take that step. For me, you know, I started working with Oena about uh, nearly two years ago now. So I've been with them for about two years. And when you're kind of working inside that, um, you know, you get kind of an insider view. You know, it didn't take long for me to realize that, you know, there is actually something really good here. That fine wine is a really good investment, you know, safe, it's secure. Um, and you do get those those consistent returns, and but also there's there's kind of the fun side to it, which I think you don't get with a lot of investments. So, you know, when you invest in wine, you're not just putting your money into some abstract concept. Um, you're actually kind of buying into this this kind of whole lifestyle, this whole culture as well. And there's a lot of opportunities to learn about wine. Um, we run a lot of events for our investors. Well, in in non COVID nineteen times anyway. So it's it's much more than just an investment. I think something else that's quite interesting is that, you know, as well as investing in an asset, um, you're also tapping into a network of people. So, you know, we, we run a lot of tasting events and we have a big annual event for our investors as well. Um, and it's also just a great opportunity to meet people, you know, to meet fellow investors and to have those conversations about wine and other topics that you wouldn't necessarily have in other settings. Wine is obviously very, very dependent on, on seasons. Is there, does that affect when you should invest into the wine market? Is there a good season or good time to invest in the fine wine industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, what, what we tend to have in fine wine is we have a few different campaigns throughout the year. So typically we'll have the Burgundy on Premier campaign which happens in February, just to clarify. So 
Omprima refers to um, selling futures of wine. So these are wines that are still in the barrel. Um, they haven't yet been bottled. So you have Burgundy Omprima, which happens in February, typically, and then Bordeaux normally happens in April. So these are probably the two biggest moments in the calendar for fine wine, because it's an opportunity to, to kind of get in uh, right at the start of the, you know, right at the beginning. And this is when those wines are released by the winery. So, you know, it's, it's all tied up with you know, how the time it takes to make those wines. Because we're typically talking about, you know, this year, 2020, Bordeaux released 2019. So those wines have been maturing. They've now got to the point where they can be tasted and, and people can write, you know, critics can write their scores and, and their opinions. Those are probably the two key uh, moments in the calendar. But I mean, in, in terms of seasonality, yeah, it, it doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, we tend to see maybe a bit of a dip over the Christmas period. People are busy doing other things. But no, I mean, you know, you can invest in wine whenever whenever you, you, you want to. It's not like there's a particular best moment to, if that makes sense. What's the risk like for that type of investment? Because I could imagine they haven't yet tasted there's no rating out there so what if it's a bad harvest what's if it is that like a type of investment that has higher risk within the fine wine market no i mean so how it works just to to walk you through like the the bordeaux 2019s which have just been released um over the last few weeks so what happens is the wineries they send out samples to international wine critics and they do that before they release the wines. So they'll kind of start building that excitement before they release. So then when they do release, you know, you're already getting these these early opinions on the wines. Typically, you know, these are these are wines that have a very, very, um, you know, almost like a cult following. So as soon as they go onto the market, you know, a lot of them are sold out within within a couple of days, you know, for these very sought after wines. You know, when they are actually bottled, that's when you see the prices really begin to to increase because those people who who didn't get in early enough, they're now able to access them. So you obviously you're paying a premium for that. You know, if you've kind of been waiting for these wines to come onto the market, so there is usually there's there's quite a strong appetite for these wines, um, and it, it does make good investment sense, which is why they sell out so quickly um, when they are released. And if you're interested in tapping into those wines and, and that kind of um, market access, who should you be working with? How do you access it? Who are mm -hmm. the right people to get you started in this? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of fine wine, probably the most important thing is expertise and knowledge. Um, you know, you, you need to be working with people who, who really know their wines and who also have those contacts. Uh, you know, the wine industry is a very, yeah, I mean, the wine industry is, is a very kind of social industry. Um, it's very much about who you know, who you talk to, so getting the best access to wines often depends on what kind of relationships you can build. So, I mean, here at Aweno, we have uh, Justin Nock, who's a master of wine. He passed um, the most difficult wine exams in the world. There's only a few hundred master of wines in the world. And also Daniel Carnio, who trained as a winemaker with uh, Gianfranco Soldera in Italy, so one of Italy's best winemakers. And we're really lucky to have them because they have such great contacts in the wine industry. Um, and, and it's about, you know, kind of getting a foot in the door with these really great wineries to get that access in the first place. So that's what you really need to be looking for if you want to participate in, in entrepreneur campaigns. The people who have that unique access that are going to get you into this, you know, right at the beginning to secure those wines. You, you, you mentioned the kind of uh, buy side of the business where unique access to contacts and the relationship you have are really, really important for so sourcing mm -hmm. these wines and getting in early. How 
Is it on the other side? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a very strong secondary market for wine, particularly fine wine. And what we do, especially at Ueno, is, is something a little bit different because we have um, Ueno Trade, which sells directly to bars and restaurants. And we're also developing a retail arm as well. So what's interesting about what we do is you know, we, we buy the wine for our investors. And then when they want to exit the market, you know, we have kind of a ready-made client base uh, to sell the wines to, to restaurants and bars and also through our through our retail shop as well. So generally speaking, exiting the market is is pretty straightforward, you know, especially given the, the consistent demand for fine wine. Even even during the, the pandemic at the moment, people still want to drink fine wine. So it's yeah. I bet. Hard <laughs> <Maybe even laughs> to deal with everything that's going on. <laughs> so with you sourcing directly from the wineries are you cutting a lot of middleman fees yeah i mean or are you the middleman (laughs) (laughs) i mean how it tends to work is um you know we're providing the access so um you know a lot of these wines are wines that you wouldn't be able to access otherwise you know if you were trying to kind of do this by yourself so so we're kind of going direct to the winery you know using those those contacts those relationships I mean, how it works in Bordeaux is they have a lot of uh, negociants um, who are kind of the agents for specific wineries. So there are cases when we're working with them, but we've also got examples. So um, Liberpata is one, which is uh, Bordeaux, sorry, uh, which is a winery based in Bordeaux, uh, which is one of our really our top performing wineries. And this is purely a direct relationship, which is really really great for for our investors, you know, because we have that that kind of special access, and and we're getting the the best price as well because it's it's coming direct from the winery. How about all are things like climate change ch- changing the the wine market? Um, you know, we're we're hearing that the southeast of the UK is is the new the new French countryside when it comes to uh, growing growing grapes. Yeah, I think I mean climate change is going to be an interesting one. What we can say for sure is that demand for fine wine is is very consistent. The wine industry is is quite good at adapting and and changing. Um, to meet the demands of the market. So I think what, what's happening now is a lot of winemakers are looking at, you know, how can we adapt to climate change? What new regions might be opening up? So you mentioned England is one. Um, you know, also we're seeing in, in parts of China now being considered fine wine regions. So I think there, there is a move to more what would, be a, would have been considered more marginal climates before. Um, but now there's a shift there. And the other thing we're seeing is uh, a lot of experimentation with, with different grape varieties. So this is something that Liberpata that we work with in Bordeaux quite closely. Uh, Loic, who, who's the winemaker there, he's a very maverick guy and he's planted a lot of varieties that aren't used anymore. So he's kind of revived forgotten varieties that, that look like they're going to perform a lot better, you know, with the, with the climate challenges. So I think that's that's another thing that that's going to have to change you know, what people are planting where they're planting it and, and how do we adapt the industry but i think overall it's, it's a positive a positive kind of forecast for the fine wine industry that people are already thinking about how we adapt um and are already kind of experimenting so when it does happen you know there's already a solid plan in place for that does onio have any initiatives or any kind of strategies around getting more diverse and female investors? I mean, we don't have any specific 
strategies. I think one of the most important things is is just informing and educating, which is something that that I really try to work on. So how can we how can we communicate about wine investment in a way that that people can understand and and women in particular that they can understand that this is a good investment and that it's accessible, that it makes financial sense. So I think that's that's a big you know, kind of focus for us going forward to really communicating that clearly. And I think it, it just is such a fascinating industry you know once you start exploring it and, and you start as you said you, you've been taking courses you know once you start getting involved in it I think it's it's just really something it, it adds a lot of value you know it's, it's not just an investment yeah and I think that's something that's quite attractive especially for you know busy busy career women who don't necessarily have a lot of time it's something that you can kind of pick up this this extra skill or you know there is something that adds value to to your life even when you go out to a restaurant and you know you can you can pick up a wine menu you can say ah you know I know this is a good winery. Let's go for this. So, so I think it, it does really add value. Yeah. And on that, you know, Alice, can, let's say I'm in a wine bar with my friends. I'm just starting to invest in wine. Haven't really built a ton of expertise yet. You know, what advice would you have to a consumer of wine in terms of when you're in that wine bar? You know, how can you start the conversation maybe with the proprietor or how can you review the wine list to kind of inform your wine investment journey? Any tips? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, getting this appreciation for wine, it's you start to focus in on, um, you know, what are what are the good wine producing regions? What are the good wine producing states and chateaux? And I think really the most important thing is is learning what you like. So I think that's that's why it's so important to to go to tastings and to just to learn more about wine, try out different wines. And then you can go away and apply that knowledge. So, yeah, if you're sitting in, in a restaurant or a bar. Um, with a wine list, you might recognize some names on it, you know, after you've you've kind of gone a bit further with your wine journey. And and it just really kind of opens up a, a new a new way to kind of talk about wine. Yeah, you know, when you're sitting there with your friends. I think it's a really important conversation for women to be having. Um, you know, often the wine menu gets handed to, to the man. I think it, it still happens even now. But I think it's it's really important to kind of take back that I don't want to say take back that control, but take back the wine list. Take back <laughs> Take back the wine. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Do you have an I also mantra uh, or an I also statement you'd want to share with us that informs, you know, your career in wine or your investment strategy with wine? Yeah, I think it probably would be something like I also know about wine. I think there's a lot of assumptions out there that women don't necessarily know about or, or don't necessarily understand wine. So I think that's that's a really important one that, that needs to be challenged. And it's not necessarily something that I experience a lot in, in kind of day to day life. But I think there is a very strong general tendency for women to be kind of overlooked, um, you know, when it comes to wine, and buying wine. So, yeah, I, that's what I would say. I also know about wine. Alice, where can people go to learn more about you or your work or Onio's work? Probably the best place is our website, www.awenogroup.com. We try to put up a lot of, of kind of educational materials on there. So we have a lot of information about wineries that we work with and which which wines are best to invest in. And, and also about the stories of the wines as well. You know, it's not just about kind of dry investment information we try to really pull out what makes these wines interesting and special so yeah so hopefully that's a that's a useful resource for people who who want to know more definitely thanks Thanks for sharing and uh it's worth acknowledging that our accents i think we've been we've been it's oeno not onia our american danish accents are are at fault here doesn't matter don't worry no one will notice i'm sure (laughs) 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Sylvia. I think that was all we had, right? Yeah. And yeah. Alice, I hope to that we can all soon meet for um, an for event wine. with Ueno over a glass of wine. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, we hope to have our um, Ueno house venue up at some point in the next few months. So uh, that will be kind of an open house for, for anyone to come down and, and meet with us. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, join us in the I Also movement. This means take to your social platforms and post a hashtag I Also statement. Follow us on Instagram at I Also Podcast. And of course, subscribe. This podcast is produced by Harrison Comfort and the theme tune is by Malin Linnea.